At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Life in 2020 is not turning out as we'd expected. Imagine what it's like for those who are expecting. We'll examine how the coronavirus is affecting pregnant women on this episode of Baptist Health Talk. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. This is your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and I'd like to welcome you to another special edition of our show focused on the novel coronavirus. Um, we've had lots of uh, uh, emails and, and requests for information regarding today's topic, which has to do with uh, COVID and pregnancy, and we appreciate the request, and I think we're going to have a great show to answer a lot of the questions that came in. We do know that during pregnancy, changes in a woman's immune system um, make them more prone to infections like the flu. So, understandably, the coronavirus pandemic pandemic is causing particularly uh, um, um, anxious, uh, particular anxiety and fear within this vulnerable population. Um, Today, we'll explore the topic of coronavirus and pregnancy, what you need to know. And our guest today is Dr. Katia Magali-Apollon, who is a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology in Baptist Health, South Florida. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Thank you. Um, as noted in the intro, again, this is a, a concern uh, that's raised by many people, um, and we hope to be able to allay some of the concerns and, and, and answer a lot of questions, and specifically with facts. Um, starting broadly, what have we learned regarding uh, co- corona illness and pregnant women? We're still relatively early in the pandemic. There's still a lot of uncertainty regarding the coronavirus and COVID-19 and various organ systems. Can you bring us up to, up to date about what's going on uh, specifically as related to uh, pregnant women? Sure. Thank you. So I would say there's like two main things that we think we know um, about pregnancy and COVID-19. And one is it doesn't appear that pregnant women are at increased risk for more severe um, aversion. Uh, manifestations of the disease. Um, As you mentioned in your introduction, um, viruses like influenza are very concerning um, for us as um, obstetricians because there is evidence that pregnant women, when they get influenza, commonly known as the flu, they're at higher risk for hospitalizations um, and complications and superimposed pneumonia. So when uh, COVID-19 came out, that was a great concern to us. But what the data that we're getting first out of China and New York and um, as the the pandemic progresses is that pregnant women do not appear to be at increased risk for more severe disease. um, So that's reassuring. Um, The other thing um, that we think we know is that it does not appear that there is what we call vertical transmission, which means transmission of the virus from mom to baby through the placenta. Again, the caveat is that we're still learning a lot. There are no what we call randomized controlled trials, but it does not appear so far that there is vertical transmission. And that's very reassuring. Um, uh, You know, when you compare it to viruses like Zika, where there is really severe birth defects, we're not seeing that um, with COVID-19. Well, that is is very reassuring, and I I appreciate that, those introductory uh, comments. if you're taking care of a pregnant woman and they wind up having symptoms, cough, fever, um, what in particular might you be telling them to do if they called you? What, what options do they have and how should they approach those symptoms? Well, pretty much is the way the CDC uh, gives guidelines for non-pregnant women. So we do the screening, you know, the main, more initially when the virus came out, we thought about 
fever, cough, shortness of breath. Um, you know, as an obstetrician, we try not to bring anyone who is actively sick into the office to protect our other patients and our staff. So, you know, Baptist has its care program. So we often we'll ask our patients to go through the screening um, on care on demand. Um, and then we evaluate how sick they are. Because um, if, if they have what are mild symptoms, this, um, the recommendations are the same for non-pregnant women to, to quarantine yourself, to watch out for um, more worrisome symptoms, which for me is um, shortness of breath. The way I gauge it is if you can't complete a full sentence um, at rest, um, that's a concerning thing. Weakness um, for our pregnant patients, if they're not feeling the baby, then we would have them um, go in. So uh, I think that's also reassuring that, um, again, the lack of vertical transmission um, um, is, is, again, important to know. Mm -hmm. If someone feels um, ill, they do have resources, whether it's to call a care on demand or call the physician offices. Mm -hmm. If someone does have that shortness of breath, um, what, can they, what, what confidence can they feel about whether it's going to a doctor's office or an emergency room in terms of uh, their exposure? How have practices changed to, to whether it's isolate patients who may not even have symptoms, what's, what, what will they see differently if they're coming into the practice or to an emergency room? So, like I said, we don't bring in anyone with symptoms. We were doing that even with flu symptoms. Um, if a patient is just coming in for a routine prenatal visit, first, always call your doctor. Um, but as the pandemic progressed, um, we still have to see our obstetric patients, right? So we stopped seeing our routine patients what we're doing in practices is we're spacing out our appointments. We're trying to concentrate our appointments. Um, we're uh, introduced telehealth. So you actually can do telehealth visits um, with obstetrics at certain stages. Um, in regards to when you're symptomatic, um, again, um, the hospitals, the urgent cares, they're all taking great precautions. You know, you should go with a mask. If they don't, if you don't have a mask, I'm sure they will. Um, provide one to you. They'll go through the screening questions and determine whether or not you should be tested for it. Um, so I try to reassure, you know, I think, and I think you may have had a podcast on this, that, you know, the, when the pandemic came out, there was this big panic, don't go to the emergency room no matter what. But people still have heart attacks, people still have babies. And so we are doing our best as healthcare providers to make this environment safe for you. So I don't, I try to tell patients, yes, if you need to go, go. We, we have all seen and we have all discussed the fact that we are seeing people who are staying home with medical problems, which are advancing because of delaying care. And we do want to avoid that. So I thank you for the reassurance of the safety and the lack of exposure if you mm -hmm. need to be seen, whether in an emergency room. Um, you mentioned something interesting as well, which, which we've talked about in the past is, so the prenatal experience, if you will, is changing a little bit. Televisits, not every, not every time a woman has to come in and take off of work and park, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that will persist? Do you think it'll change a little bit about how prenatal care may be delivered um, after, the, after the pandemic? Or do you think it's a, just a short-term solution? You know, I think this has caused us as providers to reflect on what's really necessary and what's not. Um, I've been to conferences, our, our, um, our organization is called the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And I've heard from people in New York that they have found that some of the changes that they're making, they will keep. Um, a lot of them have had, at, we, we in my practice have asked our patients to try to get blood pressure, blood pressure cuffs. And there are some health symptoms where they actually um, get grants to give their patients blood pressure cuffs. 
Um, I there's some people who um, do the home doc tones, the the heart monitors. Although I caution, I usually tell my patients not to buy them, but with proper instruction in front of the doctor, um, they can do that. I have friends in New York where most of the, a lot of their patients left the city, um, and they are still able to give good care. So I think um, this has really given us a boost for telehealth and um, and it's caused us to really be creative in how we provide care. So I think some of the changes are probably going to stick around. Um, let's talk a little bit about what the experience is uh, during a delivery. Um, a woman goes right. to labor, comes to the hospital again, comfortable that they will be not exposed to patients who might have COVID or being suspected of COVID. Um, anything being done differently during the delivery process? And also, let's address the uh, issue with visitors um, yeah. uh, coming in either during or, or post-delivery. What, what, what's been done um, um, to accommodate the, that situation? So... You know, having a baby is a really extraordinary experience, and we want our patients to have a positive experience. And we know, data has shown that when women have a companion, whether it's a partner or a doula, that they actually may have a more likely um, chance of having a vaginal birth. Um, But in the pandemic, we also have to take precautions. So in our hospital system, we are allowing one visitor. So in the old days of having like grandma and cousins and nieces waiting in the waiting room, we can't do that now because it really isn't safe. It's not part of social distancing. But what we assure our patients is that, yes, you can have one uh, companion. When the patient arrives to the hospital, every in our hospital system, we have decided to do universal um, testing. So every pregnant patient will get the swab to check for COVID-19. And we have the ability to do rapid testing. So we'll have the information within an hour. Um, the, the patient and her partner will be given a mask. They're brought to the labor floor. Everyone in the hospital is wearing a mask, so they'll see that they're um, the nurses, everyone in, um, is wearing a mask. Um, and then the labor itself is pretty much the same, except that we're using, you know, PPE, um, the protective equipment. Um, and this is for patients who test negative. Um, for those patients who, you know, want to have their grandma or whatever available, you know, we're being um, accommodating and trying to have the patients, you know, FaceTime and things like that. Um, but I think the main difference is not having the visitors and having to, to wear a mask. And pushing with the mask can sometimes be challenging, but we really try to support our patients. And we're still doing, um, again, especially for um, our negative patients, we're still doing um, skin to skin, delayed cord clamping, the baby stays with mom. Um, so for people who test negative, it, those are the main differences. And I think um, you, you you mentioned it a few times. I just want to um, uh, emphasize it. The reason we have this visitor limitation is to protect the patients. It's it's you may know the person with you, but you don't want a whole hospital filled with other people coming from the outside who might be bringing infection. So as difficult as it may be, it's to protect the patient um, um, in the hospital. And it is constantly being reviewed and and hopefully. Right as we have levels of control might be liberalized uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that we know that it's, um, uh, it's safe to come to the hospital and certainly have your baby, what about after the baby's born? What are we recommending about uh, breastfeeding and the mother holding the baby uh, after delivery? So um, again, um, so the good news is that to date, there has not been any evidence that COVID-19 is spread through breast milk. 
So the CDC, the World Health Organization, all encourage breastfeeding. That we know that there are tremendous benefits to the infants and to mom to breastfeeding. So yes, you can still breastfeed even if you have COVID-19. Um, I think the question is in terms of how you breastfeed. Um, there's different recommendations. They, they say the CDC says to make it a shared decision model. So initially. Some organizations were saying that when mom is positive for COVID-19 to separate mom and baby, which, you know, can be challenging, but I think that was out of concerns of um, uh, the baby getting the disease. So although we don't think there's vertical transmission, there is concern that respiratory droplets from mom could, you know, drop on the baby and the baby could get it. So, um, so again, it's a shared decision. So sometimes they may separate um, the baby. That's what we've been doing at Baptist. And then we encourage mom to pump and um, have someone who doesn't have uh, COVID-19 give uh, the baby the breast milk. But the moms still do have the option to breastfeed themselves, um, but they just have to take good precautions. They have to wash their hands. They, they, we recommend wearing a mask. When you're not nursing, they ask to separate the baby by six feet. Um, but the bottom line is, yes, you can still breastfeed. So people are still getting pregnant during the, during, during the pandemic. People are delivering babies. Mothers <laughs> are meeting and <laughs> being able to take care for their, their babies. And life continues to go on, which is very encouraging. Um, what advice are you giving regarding family planning? Um, if someone says to you, is it safe to start a family or, 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 or get pregnant? Um, what, what, how does that conversation go? So I think um, I, I, I individualize it. Um, like I said, we're still in the learning process of what we, uh, you know, to learn what happens with pregnancy and COVID-19. Um, I, I think it depends on where you are in your, your um, family planning. So um, as I've mentioned um, in other conversations, if I have a patient who's 40 and is trying to have her first baby, um, you know, we have to take into other concerns about, well, um, you know, the, as we get older, you know, our eggs get older, and I don't want that patient to delay. Um, so I, I encourage her to still try to get pregnant. Uh, you also have to think about other conditions. You know, does mom have uh, or does the patient have um, uncontrolled high blood pressure, uncontrolled diabetes? You know, we what we know from COVID-19 is that people who have co what they call comorbid conditions are at higher risk of complications from the infection. So yes, I would want that patient to be in her best possible health before she gets pregnant. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm discouraging. I think we we just have a discussion about their plans, um, and 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 I say it's okay. So um, an individualized discussion, not an absolute yes or no, mm -hmm. and the individual or the or the, or the the couple or whomever should feel comfortable speaking with their doctor and, and making a group decision, which is also uh, encouraging. Um, I really appreciate the information. Again, many of these questions have been asked through uh, uh, our email or other sources to us. And I think you've given great uh, answers uh, to those questions, hopefully reassured the listening public. Any final comments that you'd like to make or any particular information that you might want to uh, provide that uh, we haven't addressed? Um, I think in this time of uncertainty, it's, it's, um, people can get very stressed. Um, if, uh, you know, 
I would always encourage my patients to talk to their providers about any concerns that you have so that we can filter through any misinformation or misconceived notions. We are here to support you. Um, and, um, you know, what we didn't talk about are things like depression, anxiety. There are ways that we can support you to help you through this. And we want you to have a good experience. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to all our listeners, um, feel free to continue to uh, send us any comments or emails or through email or any topic requests. Uh, send it to Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. Um, thanks again, uh, Dr. Apollon, for your time and your passion uh, towards uh, care of our community and our patients. Um, and to all our listeners, stay safe and stay home. Thank you. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.